Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in I'm Dapper Dan Gavostin, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the beloved annuals, which are ongoing, I swear, and definitely count. And I'm mischievous Mark Chinacchio, and I, too, own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man and the annuals. Well, Dan, we didn't get one in 2022. We are now in a new year. New year, new annuals still not counting. I think that's what they say, right? I mean, you know, that's my New Year's resolution is to never give it on this fight. So, yeah, annuals don't count, but you're listening to a podcast and Dan's about to tell you about it. Well, you know, look, every year is another opportunity for another annual, and uh, they might not always seize that opportunity, but that's their loss and my collection's loss. But regardless, everyone, welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. Thanks for joining us now in 2023 for this review episode of the Amazing Spider Talk. Absolutely, Dan. If you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, subscribe to Amazing Spider Talk on your favorite podcast app. Every other week, we put out a mainline episode of our flagship show, and sprinkled in between, we review new comics as well as interview some of the greatest Spider-Man creators of yesterday and today. This is the perfect time to start listening. If you want to hear some of our oldest episodes, we're rapidly approaching 400 episodes of this show and 10 years of the show is coming up soon. So if you want to go back to when Mark and I were in our early 30s and late 20s and or I guess <laughs> mid 20s and hear what was going on with us. You can listen to our amazing Spider Talk back issues feed. It's a whole separate podcast that has every single episode that Mark and I have done over the years. We have got interviews with industry legends like Mark Bagley and JMD and Ron Friends. Some of the stuff we're going to be revisiting in, in the next few months. So, yeah, check out Amazing Spider Talk back issues. But today on the show, Mark and I are going to be discussing Amazing Spider Man Volume 6. Number 16, also known as actually 910. It's a part of the Dark Web event and officially the one after 909, which is a joke I used in the last episode and I'm repeating here and I feel like I wasted that opportunity. But this issue was written by Zeb Wells. The issue's cover is from artists John Romita Jr., Scott Hanna, and Marcio Menez. And actually, I think it's a pretty cool cover. This issue's pencils are from Ed McGinnis with inks from Cliff Wraithburn, plus colors by Marcio Menez and, of course, letters by VC's own Joe Caramagna. It's also important to note, as it was last issue, this issue is edited by Nick Lowe's evil clone, Albert Benazak. This issue was first released on December 28th, 2022. What's new? 
Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit about what happened in this particular issue of Amazing Spider-Man? Don't threaten me with a good time, Dan. All right, here we go. We open with a flashback. Ben is kindly asking Peter to just put on the mine helmet so he can get his memories back, and Peter decides to break the helmet and kick Ben into psychoreactive goo before calling him a clone job. I mean, I was pretty traumatized by the end of Beyond, Dan, but I'm not sure that's how it went. Ben says that Peter sent him to hell before asking who's in hell now, and I believe the answer is all of us, Ben. All of us. Peter, ever the pragmatist, points out that's not how it went, and if Ben is remembering it like that, it's only because his memories were destroyed, and anyone who threatens Peter's city has a problem. And I would say the problem is we're at page six and we're still addressing a flashback that just reestablishes what we already know, that Ben Riley is completely bonkers. Ben says, indeed, we have a problem. And Peter counters, not we, you. And with a dry, cool wit like that, Peter can be an action hero. They fight. <laughs> Peter webs a demonic motor scooter. And I think anyone who drives one of those things in New York City has to be part demon anyway. Am I right, Dan? I mean, those things are like like ready to clip you around every corner. I, I, I can't stand them. Anyway, Peter's been doing this longer while the scooter cries in pain and fear. Ben reveals he too has some new tricks, including weaponizing his spider sense. Apparently the side effects of being dropped in psycho-reactive goo, along with the endless need to gaslight everyone. Ben elicits a sonic axe or something, and then we cut over to the X-Men's treehouse... And I am just at a loss here. Mark, I love that you haven't read any modern X-Men because, like, all of this must sound completely insane. Like, I'm imagining in your mind, it's like, Xavier is like, look, X-Men, I have an idea. No more school for the gifted. We're investing in treehouses and chill vibes from now on. Like, honestly, like, you must be baffled by this. Like, here, let's take a side break Tell me what you imagine is going on in the X-Men's treehouse in New York City. I have no idea. I, I mean, it's just like, like, it's like Peter, like, you know, hanging. Well, no, he's, he's not with Kitty. I don't know, because I don't follow X-Men, Dan. I, like, so, like, what are they, like, playing tiddlywinks? Are they fighting over the, the first issue of Radioactive Man? I'm just, like, throwing all these Simpsons references out there right now, guys, because that's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got when it comes to this. <laughs> All right, well, take us back to the comic, Mark. All right, all right, all right. Well, it's it's we're now queuing in on Madeline and Hollow's Eve and Venom, okay? Who are three people who have never been in my kitchen, Alex? Venom doesn't know what they're talking about, and for once, Venom is all of us, or at least me. Hollow's Eve is going to put on her face, and it's a Frankenstein monster's face, and Madeline wants to ruin the X-Men's Christmas. These are sentences I am writing right now, and you all have to listen to me recite them as you're doing right now. Comics, people, right? Eve then kicks Venom to the curb, but we're going to follow him in Venom issue 14. You bet I will. I cannot wait to read more of this. Back to Peter and Ben. Peter gets Ben a new concussion for Christmas. I mean, that's a little cruel to do to someone who had a brain injury, don't you think? Ben (laughs) drops a little sphere, and Peter is like, I've had enough. And Ben is all like, what are you going to do about it? Yes, this is actual dialogue. Did Zeb Wells get concussed for Christmas? 
Okay. <laughs> so they took it out some more, and Ben gets the upper hand because unlike Peter, he doesn't hold back. The little orb thing provides Peter with a vision into Limbo, where he sees Jonah and Robbie getting tortured. So Ben uses Peter's outrage to trick him into saying, take me to Limbo. And since he truly meant it, in this binding agreement, a tentacle rises from the ground and carries Peter to Limbo, where we get a cliffhanger ending with a young Peter in his vintage Dicko sweater vest getting yelled at by a demonic Jonah to get back to work, Spider-Man. I need pictures of Spider-Man. No, he didn't say that. He just said, get back to work. Although I don't know what a demonic Jonah would sound like. Do you think it would be quite that growly? I mean, we should have gotten Matt Little on to do that part. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. And that's the issue, Dan. To get into our overall thoughts on the issue is really to get into our thoughts of like what was promised in this issue, which is Spider-Man versus Chasm, right? It's on the like recap page. It's the thing you've you've been waiting for. Spider-Man versus Chasm. And I don't know how much we were waiting for this, but like, great, let's resolve this thread. And hopefully it will be worth the investment from the 15 issues of beyond and all of that character work they did with Ben there, which may be not the most satisfying, but like maybe they can redeem it. Like maybe there was a reason they did all of this. And I don't know, Mark, I'm going to get out of the way and just say it. Like I thought just like the previous issue of this comic, this almost completely erases all the goodwill that I had put towards wanting the chasm character to be interesting, maybe nuanced, show us something new about Spider-Man from a different lens. This to me is just dumb and maybe intentionally so. And it's just, it's wearing out all of its charity for me. I do not like reading chasm on the page. Yeah. I mean, okay, let's, let's put aside what the actual like, motivation is here whether this is like intentionally silly or not like i i i I do think we need to remove that with where i'm going with this next which is just like this is also just boring right now because like i feel like so much of this issue is just retracing stuff that like not only that we already know but it's like so established at this point it's like why are we going through this again you know what i mean like it's like Everything feels like it's at a dead end. It's like, you know, Ben is going to do what Ben is going to do. Peter, like, kind of half-hearted, tries to convince him otherwise. And then they just fight for a couple of pages. And, you know, we get a couple of cool things with Ben's new powers, of which we really don't understand truly what they're doing. But at least it's something different, I guess. It just feels dull and inactive. For, for an issue that's basically all action it feels very inactive and passive and just kind of really like really boring. I hate to, I hate to be so derivative in the criticism here, Dan, but I don't know how else to describe it. There was nothing exciting, nothing excited me about this issue. Well, it's so funny because, you know, like uh, talking about the charity of it, you know, I, 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 I want to give it charity because this is such a trope presented in, in the most tropey way of like, Two people just fight it out based on a misunderstanding and there's no drama there. And like, I think back to the opening arc of this run where, you know, we thought we were being presented with a trope, you know, done up elegantly. Right. Like before we knew the flip that was coming with Tombstone, we thought, okay, this is a trope, but it's being executed in a really 
like excellent fashion, right? I'm waiting for the flip, you know, like we weren't waiting for the flip and that's what made the flip so exciting was they totally caught us off guard by having us fall back into pre-established rhythms that we thought we could expect. But this one just doesn't seem to be coming from the same writer that did that. Right. Like there's no part of this. Like now that maybe we're we're, we're on, on Zeb's game, like this guy's capable of of tricking us. Like this just doesn't seem like the same guy, like whether he got a concussion or not. Like this is just dumb tropes being executed poorly. You're right. It's really boring to read because it's just how is this going to play out? It, it It's going to play out the way it was going to play out from page one. You know, uh, neither of these guys are going to destroy each other. Like, it's a misunderstanding. And all the drama is evaporated out of this. Like, is it presented in a visually interesting way? I guess kind of. The art is fine. You know, it's, 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 it's well done. But, like, this character of Chasm, I couldn't be less interested in him. There's nothing tragic about him anymore. The script seems to acknowledge that he's crazy, but also that that doesn't really matter because this is what he suggests he wants anyway. So like they've undone all of the, the dramatic potential that they set up in the beyond thing. And now it's just boring. Like, I don't know how to feel about this guy other than just not liking him on the page. Not to cross reference my, my nerd stuff and also to like deep go back into the well of like the early 2000s where I get all my pop culture references that in the 90s, Dan. If this was like pro wrestling, Chasm right now would have what we refer to as X-Pac heat, which is like he's nothing intriguing about him. And you're kind of booing him, not because he's really like doing anything that sinister or like that means that much to you. You just want like I, at least personally, I'm just like, I just want this guy. I want this story to end. So I don't have to read about this guy anymore. Like, I don't want him on the page right now. Like there was just nothing likable about him in a, even in a, like an unlikable way. You know what I mean? Like, like Doc Ock wanting to take over the world. There was at least a kind of a, a, a sinister charm to him. Same with Norman Osborn. This is just like, Oh God, like what? Like it's like, you did this. No, I didn't. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. And it's like, what is the interest in that? And then it's like, oh, even with his new powers, it's like, what What are these? Where is he getting this from? Like, and then, you know, this whole like, I'm, I have the power and none of the responsibility, which is like the 900th time we've heard that expression in like, about another spider character. Like I, I like everything here is just derivative and dull and uninteresting and unlikable. I'm not rooting for Peter here. I'm rooting for dark web to end. I, I, it's that simple. Like this is, this is like really monotonous and torturous to read. <laughs> yeah. The, all of the power, none of the responsibility is the line where I kind of like officially signed off. Like it, it, there's a version of this where that is parodic. Right. Like, cause we've heard that so many times, like that was literally the tagline of the Scarlet Spider book from less than a decade ago. I, I don't expect any new writer that comes on this book because they're freelance guys, you know, to have read every single thing like Nick Spencer did, you know, like an every B book, especially one that like has kind of been buried like Scarlet Spider. Although I thought that book had its own charms while also being ignored by the editor at, at the time. Like, man, I at least expect the editors who edited those books to know that that has been a overused trope. You know, to the point that it's like it's so on the nose and so tired that it's like, is this a joke? Like, 
which gets to like the tonal aspects of this comic, but like, man, you cannot play that line for any kind of, of volume anymore. And, you know, on top of that, there's this whole thematic of like, well, you're not willing to use violence against me. So I know that I can use your inactivity against you. Like, hello, like that was beaten to death in the Dan slot run. Like we, we have to move past these themes. Like this book cannot survive on those themes anymore. They are, they are buried. They are beyond buried and just so boring to read on the page. But what about like just the whole fact with Ben, like putting aside the, 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 the trite and monotonous lines, like just, just like the, the utter frustration of this happened. No, it didn't. Well, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I I feel like they're, they're, Yes, it's very generally you cannot reason with a supervillain, but like this is like taking it to another level where you just like, you know, I I, I made the joke in the synopsis about him gaslighting, but that's what it feels like. It's just like, like, I am just going to create this reality and and do it this way anyway, not because and and it's like, you know, I, I feel like the 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 idea in doing that is like, oh, Ben is so crazy, but it doesn't really come across that way. It just comes across as being dumb you know what i mean like well you know whatever <laughs> waka waka i'm gonna do, try and kill you I, I i don't know like it's just like it, it, it's that's what i mean by like it's it's not even like i'm rooting against him i'm just i'm i just i'm rooting for him to be gone like i like i, I like the, the, like i don't know how you can make this character any more uninteresting than what they're doing right now because it's like there's no it's not i don't even know what the stakes are because it's, I, I don't care what the stakes are i, I think that's part of it <laughs> I hate to keep going back to like the big Lebowski, but it's like they're nihilist, Donnie. Like, say what you will about the tenets of national socialism. At least it's an ethos. <laughs> At least know? it's an ethos. I mean, you um, know, yeah. Say what you will about. Uh, Gabriel Stacy, but at least it's an ethos. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Uh, but I mean, like, here's the thing: like, the, the book goes out of its way to do the work that's necessary. Like, the opening page, as comical as it is, like, it was funny in how Arch Peter was written there. And of course, I've seen that page taken wildly out of context on Twitter of people being like, "Look at how they're writing Peter Parker now," and it's like, "You idiots! It it, it it's a joke." Like, yes, yes, uh, like, yeah. and but if if that was truly what was driving Ben is his memory is of like an arch Peter that is tearing the helmet in front of him gleefully and kicks him into the psychoreactive goo, then great, let's go with that. Like, let's go with that. It's a misunderstanding, but at least I can understand it. But like, he throws that away and acknowledges that it's not real on the very next page. And it's like, well, then why did we spend the time on this? I don't understand uh, like anything about this. I mean, like there is something good, you know, that could have been done here, right? Like Venom had his own thing. He was misunderstand, like misunderstood, but like you understood what drove that character. And like, there is a sort of like evil, weird Spider-Man thing that I like here. Like this guy whose memories are awash, like, I like the idea of the spider sense being weaponized. Like I can kind of piece it together. Like the idea of psycho reactive goo, something that reacts to your inner psyche and the spider sense being a part of that. And it can become weaponized why it would form an ax or a club. I don't know, you know, but like, okay, cool. Like give me a cool new visual. That's not like, you know, it, it, it's, it's symbiote derivative. I'm going to say it's very, whatever. it's very carnage esque, but okay. Yeah. 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 And like, I love like when they're having fun with the character, like when he says like anything you can do, I can do weirder. 
okay, cool. Like I'm in for that guy. You know, it's like a disturbed Peter Parker making jokes like, okay, but just, just be consistent about it. Uh, Like otherwise he's just like the lamest guy I've ever read in this book. You know, even this whole, like, He's posing a threat to the city. I, I I, mean, besides like talking scooters, I don't know what the threat is either right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I don't know. Like, I I, I know you were making fun of earlier, like my lack of X-Men knowledge. And, but uh, like, maybe I'm missing something here about like, you know, what exactly is happening in the in the broader sense of the word with, of this of the storyline. But like, I am just not feeling any of the tension. And, and it, let's talk a little bit about the tone of this story because i know your 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 theory is what that this is this is all this is this is almost like a parody right this this the storyline right now i mean i just think it's a bunch of writers having like a goofy fun time you know and i i don't i'm not opposed to that in any way like i think you could do like a fun book like that it's just weird that it was sold to us completely the opposite like just think a couple issues ago we had janine like breaking a guy's leg in a restaurant because he might call the cops on her you know what i mean like that that couldn't be more different like the scooter is a great example of this which is like if you really wanted us to buy into the dramatic tension of spider-man versus ben riley or chasm or whatever you don't interrupt it with like a oopsie doopsie scooter asking someone to like straighten him up. It, it reminds me of, um, and I, I'm sure a segment of our audience is going to push back whenever I let my opinions about star Wars out. I love revenge of the Sith, but even I can't defend decisions like when Obi-Wan and Vader are fighting in the final scene and like a silly robot suddenly comes out to interrupt the fight you know, and like zips around it's, it's, it's cluttered and distracting and doesn't understand the, like the tonal weight of the scene, right? Here I'm supposed to buy into Chasm and Spider-Man, but I'm like, this talking scooter is making jokes, <laughs> you know, like, and, and and I don't know how to feel about all, all of this. Like, and Mark, I don't know if you're reading the B titles at, at all, but like, I, I'm trying to, but I, I'm, I'm admittedly behind right now. I, I'm behind too, if only because of the holiday and everything. But like, there's a whole X-Men issue. I don't know if you read this, where one of the demons like flies into the Rockefeller tree and poops in it. And the poop animates the Rockefeller tree to come to life. And it's a demonic poop. And like, and it's like, okay, like I can't buy into this in any way, like other than as a spoof. And that issue works fine in a jokey way. But like, I I think for me, the bigger thing is like the Spider-Man line being the main through line, apparently of this, you know, it's like, uh, when did we all agree that this was just a joke story when the lead into this was anything but that? Well, and, and not for nothing. I mean, you talking about it in that context, it's bringing me back to some of like the final issues of the beyond dark. And we kind of got the same thing where it was like, you know, this very, you know, supposed to be traumatic conclusion. And like in the build up to it, we had what we were like in the Beyond Corp and they were fighting like, what was it like talking toaster ovens or something like it was weird, right? Like it was like silly and stupid and goofy stuff. And, you know, I don't know my my personal opinion when it comes to stuff like that is like, I'm fine with an issue or two like that as like a one off, you know, not to go all the way back, but not that that commuter cometh is like, goofy but it's like it's a it's it's a it's a deviation from the norm in terms of the storyline and it's kind of absurd and 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 it's meant as like a a a wink and a nod to the reader like we're taking spidey out of his element here to do something really wacky 
and it and it's perfect. I mean, that's like the perfect example of that kind of genre here. I mean, not only is this not that, but like I feel like we've also now it's been a couple of issues of this now after a setup that was supposed to be serious. So I'm just like, not that Spider-Man is super serious. He's not Batman, but like I feel like there's got to be a little more weight to it here. I mean, he is fighting his quote unquote brother. If they like decided to insert an issue like this into the middle of something to kind of cut the tension, that would be one thing. But like, I just feel like they just decided to take a few months off to be to be like, you know, slapstick college fart humor here. And I don't I don't kind of see the merits of it in the context of the longer arc that they're trying to present. Well, it's just the Deadpoolification of everything. Right. Which is like the characters don't believe in the world that they're in. Right. They they treat to goof and the writer doesn't really believe in the world either. Right. Like anybody writing Spider-Man, like it doesn't need to be like marriage story. You know, it doesn't need to be a, a drama, but like you need like, cause it's going to be silly, but you need to believe in the threat of Dr. Octopus. You need to believe in the world that these characters, no matter how silly it gets, it needs to be believed in. You know, I like the, the Raimi films as silly as they are, like they feel like, like, epic dramas you know like even if it's a scale of just spider-man and green goblin fighting in a destroyed warehouse like that scene has real weight to it even though they're both willing sarah willing like wearing silly costumes like because the the they're it's it's, it's a world where the creator has invested like uh, uh, like real emotional like care to it, you know, and then you get something like Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool, which is great as a one-off. And it's why the sequel doesn't really work all that well is because it should be just a one-off, which is a guy who is in this world that doesn't believe in the world that he's in, you know, and it's also why Ryan Reynolds doesn't really work in any other rule uh, role rather other than Deadpool, because He's always doing that. And if he's undercutting the reality of the world that he's in, you, the audience, don't believe in it either. So and, and anyway, like when I read this, like it's so bizarre because like the tombstone arc, I couldn't think of like like th- that was so refreshing because Zeb Wells really believed in that. And here I don't believe that Zeb Wells really believes in this world at all. And I feel like Zeb believed in all the stuff with the gold goblin and, and yeah, you know what I mean? But yeah, it's just like it's such a departure from what we were doing here. And and like I said, like to if you want to do something like this to kind of cut the tension, that's one thing. But like, I, I, I just don't get how you can do an entire arc of it, of which they set the arc up with like seriousness. So I, I don't know. It's just like I, I, whatever they're trying to accomplish here, it's just not working. And, you know, I feel like the last time I was just exasperated by something not working, it was Nick Spencer. So, you know, like, congratulations, I guess. I know I'm not like not ready to give up on Zeb Wells here, but like this is this is getting mighty frustrating and disappointing but why don't we why don't we why don't we talk about where we could talk about our our feelings like that dan yeah sure uh that that will be in our slack mark like what is our slack well the slack is for hundreds of listeners like you and you and you i'm pointing at my new camera uh, who hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans, and they can hang out in the Slack. The Amazing Spider Slack community is absolutely free to join, and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting, conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. Maybe you'll want to talk about the fact that I made a really weird WWE reference to start this conversation. Anyway, <laughs> what else can you do in the Slack, Dan? 
Yeah, well, I mean, just to say, the Slack is like an app that lives on your phone or on your desktop of your computer. You can just jump into the conversations there and get notifications if that's something you, you want to do. Like, I hang out there all the time, and, you know, people will tag me in stuff, or I'll just jump into conversations I want to be a part of. Like, this week, we've had a lot of discussions about uh, Marvel Snap, the new game that everybody is playing, the card game they're playing on their phones, and we got an active community on there of people who want to play against each other. It's, you know, it's the end of the year, so it's been a time for us to kind of all look back on our favorite comics of the year, recommendations to each other. We're also recommending our favorite novels that we're reading, lest it be believed that us comic book readers are, are somehow sophomoric in our taste. You know, you come to find out we're all reading like really interesting novels, and I've been like adding them to my Amazon wish list uh, based on how people are describing them. So, you know, come join our, our sometimes intellectual and oftentimes not intellectual conversations on the Slack. But here's the deal. They're always friendly and kind and not full of the kind of toxic gatekeeping that so much of the rest of the internet is full of. So that's our Amazing Spider Slack. There should be a link in the description to this podcast or on AmazingSpiderTalk.com. It'll guide you straight there and you can join in and uh, jump in and say hi. We got a ton of people joining the community and it's always thrilling. We're approaching 500 members so that's really exciting. It's just a, a big growing place. Anyway, hope to see you guys in Slack. But in the meantime, let's go back to talking about this comic. You know, I think last uh, episode we discussed how like we thought Ed McGinnis's artwork was a very attractive, but also like a weird pivot, you know, to, to kind of this more attractive reader friendly stuff. And now that we're kind of living in this kind of stiller, your storyline, you know, did it hit the same way for you here? Have you kind of settled into it and seen it for its own charms or how'd you feel about it? I, you know, it's, it's so weird with McGinnis. Cause yeah, I mean, he's very technically proficient as you've pointed out. It's like, I feel like there are, there are some pages or some panels and I'm like, yeah, this looks, look really good. And then somewhere I'm just like, this is not connecting in any kind of way for me. Like, I don't feel like we're telling much of a story in the way this is being set up. I mean, like I, 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 I did like some of the manifestations of, of how chasm is presented here. And, and, the, and, and, you know, we did obviously talk about like, not necessarily knowing how this power set works, but I felt like, it looked cool, you know what I mean? Like in a, in a very symbiote adjacent way, as we mentioned, but like, I don't know, like I, 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 it's, I guess I've settled into it, but like I've settled into the fact that like there are going to be pages that I like and then pages that I don't. And I don't know what else to say about that. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I, I just feel like it's very inconsistent in, in how it actually connects to the story. Like, it, 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 does that make sense to you? I think for me, it's like on, on the baseline, it's like very attractive and very competent. Like I can read the story and for the most part, know what's going on very clearly, but it's kind of soulless. There's not a lot of choices being made. You know, like when I read like a John Romita, like people might call it scratchy, but he's always like kind of going for something like there. There are interesting choices being made. And even when there aren't choices being made, like that stands out. And here there's just like a base level of like really solid comic booking. But like if I, if you were to ask me about like Ed McGinnis, the guy, like I would say he was born to draw Spidey merch. You know, like like I, I would buy shirts with his Spider-Man on it 
any day of the week. It is attractive. He should design characters for the uh, for Spider-Man TV shows. Like I would watch a I would watch a Saturday morning show in his style. And, and in many ways, actually, like I felt like this issue felt like an episode of a Saturday morning Spider-Man show. You know, like like it, it can't really be like like have teeth or anything like that. It's kind of just got to be like fun entertainment. And like Ed fit, fits that bill. That is all very like solid. And I think his visual storytelling is fine. Apart from Ed, like I, I do want to like criticize the the editors or Ed or whoever gets this criticism. Like there's an inconsistency with the costume here that bothers the hell out of me. Like either commit to the arm bombs or don't. You know, and I would say that to Zeb narratively as well, which is like, use them or don't. Like, does he have bombs on his arms or not? And I have a feeling there's like a mix up in this particular issue. Uh, allow me a diatribe here. The the way the way that that Norman Osborn suit has been utilized is somewhat like Iron Man armor, which is like it exists in a particular place and time, and Spider Man has had to access it to utilize it in previous arcs, right? We've seen him go on dates with Felicia in his normal Spider-Man civvies, right? And I guess they civvies in, in this instance, uh, without the bombs and the backpack and all that stuff. And so the idea is that's his normal baseline suit. And when he needs to tap into the Norman stuff, he does when he's going on planned missions and things like that. Here, he's racing towards Oscorp to save Norman and yet has access to that suit. But even then, like, he doesn't utilize the bug in any way in this issue, which was, a reminder, destroyed in the previous arc. And he doesn't utilize the bombs. So, like, there seems to be, like, a sort of, like, maybe it's a coloring mix-up or something where he's got the glowing spider on his chest. But, like, it's like a half commitment to whether or not he's in the Norman Osborn suit. In, in this issue. So he's got the bug on his back, but he doesn't have the bombs, but he shouldn't really have access to that. Anyway, like an editor should have caught that and or Zeb should have caught it and provided some kind of narrative consistency around the suit. Am I making any sense, Mark? Yeah, I I, I don't know if I have anything else to add in terms of uh, the consistency of it. But like just to just to rewind a little bit to you using the term soulless earlier i mean I, I i think that's just what it is i think like ed's art here and is kind of just further amplifying my general disconnect with this story like i like you know if if there, there's no there's no emotion to it it's this very posy posy action stuff although again i still don't feel for an issue that was sold on a showdown it felt very active but maybe that's part of it. Like it's, there's not nothing dynamic about it. It just looks good in a still. Like it kind of reminds me of like Jim Lee's X-Men where it's like, you know, mixed with Claremont's like, you know, orating. It kind of is like, what are they like filibustering each other here? Like (laughs) the other, like, as you were kind of going on about McGinnis and like the Saturday morning cartoon stuff of it, like, like give McGinnis like a run of covers on this book. Cause like, you know, as much as I love JRJR, I don't always love his covers. Like I feel like he's got a place drawing Spider-Man, but I don't know if like it's in a, on a panel to panel basis. Like I, I, it just doesn't move enough for me. Like it just feels very stilted and stiff, and it looks good, and then it doesn't look when it when I feel like more needs to be shown on the page. It's not, and it doesn't. It, it just further disconnects me from it. So that's that's my 
uneducated rant about it. And and I again, like just reiterating what I said last episode, like I think with the right story, he would be the perfect pa- you know partner for it. This is not the right story for that. Like I I, I constantly think about like Kyle Hotz's stuff he did in the Dark Web One issue and how like twisted and dark and emotional that was. And I feel like if you brought that level to the art and paired it with Zeb's writing here, which like I think is amongst his worst in this new run, like at least it would have elevated because that artwork would have been like gushy and emotional and leaned into the nineties extravagance of it all. And, and I maybe would have like, just kind of like bought into the kind of elevated nature of all of this, but it's just not connecting with McGinnis. Yeah. I I mean, it's possible, but the fact of the matter is I feel like every issue that McGinnis has done so far with this run, we've had the same commentary on, like there's something just not there. Like, like 900 is like a bit, and you know, in retrospect, maybe I was a little harsh on 900, just because you expect more out of the centennial. But like, I think part of it was the art. Like it looked good, but like there was something missing to it. There's like a, there's a, there's a, a soul, a soullessness to it. I don't like, I, I hate, you know, like you don't want to say that about art, but like, I don't know. Like there's like, there's, there's like an emotional level that's just not there with this art that kind of like, I don't know, at least for me as a reader takes me out of it. So, all right. The, I think I the, techni- the, yeah, the technical craft is incredible. Like when I think about 900, I think of that, like s- that splash of all the sinister six and Spider-Man with men. beautiful colors. And that's a cover. Like that is like one of the sexiest covers I've ever seen, you know, but on the page, it didn't do, do much for me. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. So. I will say, though, like, you know, about Ed, like the bringing us into the final topic I want to talk about here, which is the kind of tease at the end with Limbo. That might be an opportunity for him to get a little bit weirder and outside of his poses. And I liked the kind of psychological stuff he was doing with Peter on the page. And that final reveal of the demons in Limbo was fun looking, you know, with the kind of classically drawn childish looking Peter. And like, I'm actually looking forward to the next few issues, if only because it's going to break us outside of like a more conventional thing. And I like, I do like some of his monster designs of the like mailboxes coming to life and the scooter. So like, I, maybe like untethering him from normalcy will allow him to have a little more fun on the page, getting us as far away from chasm as possible. I am looking forward to the next two issues, which have promised kind of more demonic interpretation to Spider-Man's world. And like, if we're going to have silly fun, at least give me silly fun with like really weird art and stuff. So I'm kind of interested in like what we might see over the next two issues in a sort of like, It'll be better than focusing on what we have been doing. Do you want to get to reviews? Uh, yeah. You mean grades? Yeah, we could do grades. I'm gonna give it a D minus. I, 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 it's not, it's not a total failure for me, but it's teetering on the edge of it. You? I'm giving it a D as well. I think we're in the same place we were the last year, which is like, I'm not really into this storyline. It's, it's really lost a lot of my attention and interest. It's just not into it. Sorry. Yep. Sorry, everybody yep. involved. <laughs> we'll, we'll be positive again in a few weeks, probably. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> maybe, or, may, or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> well, if you do find our show in, entertaining and valuable, despite the comics that we're talking about, uh, we would love if you would consider supporting us. You know, you can do so by recommending Amazing Spider Talk to a friend. And if you're able, become a member of our Patreon. 
We can only bring you this content with the support of our Patreon members, and we owe the show's success to every single one of them. That's why we are constantly making exclusive content for our members. Yeah, and I got to say, as 2022 wraps up here, like it really is has been a year of reflection for me and looking back on all the things that are going well uh, for both in my life and, you know, with the Patreon. And like this year has been a year for me of like, new life my my son was born and it's only through the patreon that the show is really able to continue in the same manner in which it always has which is to say i've been able to output a lot of the work that i was doing to other people we've hired you know alex as our new video editor we have rick as our audio guy and i'm able to pay them because of the patreon which has allowed me to spend more time with my son and still kind of retain the same i hope like kind of like sharp focus on the show. So, and I know the same goes for Mark, you know, being able to kind of like keep the show in perspective, uh, you know, as part of his life and, and, you know, allowing the funds to kind of take up things that we can't handle in the same uh, manner as before. Would you agree with that, Mark? 100% Dan. Awesome. Well, um, you know, so to, in that vein, like, you know, you can become one of our Patreon members and support the show and our existence by, you know, like it's $3.99 a month. That's the price of a new comic. Not even oftentimes these days. So like you can go check out the Patreon page. You'll see a bunch of different options. And the $3.99 one is kind of like gets you everything, like most of the stuff you're probably going to want, which is like these review episodes, the week that they come out, you know, some of our listener episodes, like all of the bonus stuff that Mark and I put together, uh, you know, week in and week out for our listeners. And then if you uh, take $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists commissioned exclusively for our members. This time we got uh, a recreation of Web of Spider-Man number one's iconic cover of Black Suit Spider-Man, but joined by Daredevil as uh, illustrated by Juan Ferreira. Plus, every episode, we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy. And just for people out there, uh, I, I was, uh, Dan, I didn't even tell you this yet. I was I, I was recently communicating with Michael Fife about his commission that he's doing for our show. So uh, expect more from that uh, in the coming weeks or months, hopefully. So Yeah, and Mark, I don't know if I've told you this. But, you know, we're gearing up for season six of the show and we've, you know, we'll be announcing some of those episodes very soon. I've been talking with Nick Cagnetti, who's currently got his Pink Lemonade book out on the stands, which is really excellent. And I recommend you go pick it up from um, Oni Press. He's already starting to work on some of the new artwork for our next season, which is another thing you can get as a member of our Patreon I mean, obviously you'll get to see them when the episode's released, but you'll get the high res scans without lettering from Nick. So that's really exciting. It's been a while since we got some artwork from Nick uh, because we've been taking a break on our show. I mean, look, things are gearing back up again and there's no better time to be a part of our Patreon. But, you know, we know this is a hard time for everybody as it is for us too. We all live busy lives and finances are tough. So we appreciate anyone who supports the show just by listening and sharing. But if you do have the means... We would love for you to join our Patreon to support the show's continued existence. You can follow the link in the description or go to AmazingSpiderTalk.com. You'll see the big Patreon button and you can go and browse it. Even if you're not going to sign up, just go take a look at it. Maybe it'll be something in the new year. You'll say, I'd love to support the shows that I really love and enjoy and give me entertainment throughout the year. You know, this is a 2023 resolution. So something to consider. 
And also, you know, as we always say, thank you to everybody who already supports us on the Patreon that makes everything Mark and I do possible. And here's to another great year of uh, creating new content in 2023. Here's to a great 10th year together, Dan, right? Yeah, absolutely. 10 years. Hard to believe. Wow. I said I said I'd be done after five and you doubled me up, man. <laughs> at, this, at this rate, you're going to get 15 out of me at least, okay? Uh, so. You know, I, I made you an offer you couldn't refuse. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, it is that time, time for all good things to come to an end. In this case, we mean this episode. So we want to thank you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Yeah, as always, like I was mentioning a second ago, this episode was edited by Rick Coast. Our video version is available on YouTube and was edited by Alex Galaki. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friend, Sal Buscema, and Ray Sumzer. Our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider Madge. And our animated intro was created and performed by Josh Sutton. So, Mark, until I'm tempted to change our motto to everything a Spider-Man podcast can do, we do it weirder. What's our motto? With great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. <laughs>